3: Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090.
4: Hi, I'm Steve, the Garbage Man. Are you new to Murray County? We want to welcome you and your family. We are a local residential garbage service, and we want to be your garbage man. We've been around for over 30 years, so we have a reputation. Check us out at GarbageManInc.com or call Mike at 931-540-0919. You could also ask your neighbor. 931-540-0919.
2: This is Clayton Harris, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM Columbia. It
7: is, ladies and germs, the Wednesday edition, and the germs know who you are, and I wish you'd stay away, but uh, it's part of the season we're in right now, and the great Dr. Sean Sinclair doesn't answer to a germ. He's a gentleman. Brian Hartman might be a germ at some point, but uh, we're pump. We're fired well, up. I speak for to me, Tony. We're fired up. We're focused. We're prepared today for another exciting, action-packed edition. Watson Brown finna join us here in a few. And I understand last week, guys on here, Watson Brown uh, said Tennessee was going to have their best offensive showing. That was his feel going into the week. I, I wonder what was going through his brain, Cinco, when he was watching that thing unfold. Because that's not what any of us had in mind. That that Missouri game, three or four days later, is just like a... I guess it's easy to look at that now and go, man, they're just a lot better than the Vols, but they're not that much better, Sean, as I welcome you in.
10: Yeah, give credit to Missouri. Uh, uh, nice running back. Uh, quarterback certainly uh, can make things happen. I don't think he's any better than anyone else we've seen this year. Um, uh he had a better game than our quarterback, uh, and that's not on Joe. But I, I think that, and I still, I would. If that game was tomorrow, I would, st- I would concur with Coach Brown that I, I think Tennessee would win that game. Um, but I think the bigger picture here is that when you have a when when you have a just a col- complete program collapse. Uh, like at Missouri, and then you stack that one in the same year with Florida. And then within a calendar year, you're sitting there with the same thing with uh, South Carolina. So that is three teams that you should have, would have, could have beaten. You go on a road with something to play for. Last year, there was something to play for. There was a, before he got hurt, of course. There was a potential Heisman Trophy winner, and a chance at a uh, at a playoff spot. This year, you go down to Gainesville; you have a chance to turn a trend around of of games in in uh, Gainesville. And here you have a chance. You go into Missouri with a like schedule, like record team, with a chance, albeit obviously before the game, to go to the SEC championship game, and it's three opportunities that this program has laid an egg. And uh, so, uh, you know what uh, I said it before; and I'll say it again. There are other teams that that uh, they show up. This team is now having a pattern of not showing up on the road when it when it uh, when it needs to be. Another thing is in those three games. Our defensive staff had it, apparently had, had scouted something totally different. The game plan was completely irrelevant to what the offense show, the other team showed up. And there were very little to if any adjustments. And so I don't know what you do with that. You can't the first South Carolina game you can accept Josh Eiffel getting up the next day and say, Well, we gotta quote unquote wash this and move on. Okay, fine. Florida, we got to wash this one to move on. Missouri, we got to wash... No, no, no. I'm not here to label scapegoats or blame somebody, but three games in less than a calendar year and you don't even get off the bus against teams you should win, that's not only disappointing the fans. That costs costs the program millions of dollars. So I, I highly encourage... Coached, uh, and he probably is. He's not. He's a smart guy. He's he's ultra competitive. I've heard you say before. Is he too? He's is he too? Um, is he too passive, etc. I've I've heard from a number of you that he's one of the most competitive people they've ever met. But I don't believe. I think that's a. I think that's just a front line thing that he protects his players. But they do have to look at what's really going on because next year you're going to have to be facing the exact same thing. So long winded. Uh, but a collapse like that needs to be called out,
7: and it's a trend. It's weird is what it is. Because otherwise, if you take the, and obviously, I mean, you, people appears the you take those out. But if you take those out, this guy's had an exemplary tenure. He's one of the bright, great young coaches in the sport. Tennessee's traje- trajectory looks like it's through the roof without a ceiling. But yet, It's hard to remove, at least from my mind's eye at this point, Sean, it's hard to remove those. And so, and now you're in a spot where, I was talking with a friend of mine yesterday about this, and I want to unpack this later on with you, since you follow recruiting closely. And I meant to bring this up with Axie, so Axie, if you're listening, there was a long-form article written yesterday, I'm going to try and find it, But it was in one of these spots where you see the long-form stuff. All of a sudden, NIL expenditures, and you said this a couple weeks ago, you were like, well, it's great that Tennessee is going to be in the transfer portal, but unfortunately for them, so is everybody else. Sean, the number is 70% of the funds are being allocated and spent in the portal instead of in the signing class. 70% 70% of the funds. We were talking yesterday about the hit rate. You know, Tennessee on the offensive line, for instance. Carrad guy, swing and miss. Kid from Florida, that's a hit. The Campbell guy, that's a hit. So in the offensive line, they go two out of three there. Versus guessing and waiting, which Tennessee can't play the waiting game uh, with that offensive line next year. But... Apparently, and I was talking to somebody yesterday about that article, it is getting ready to be a highly competitive portal like we haven't seen when that thing opens right after the championship games. On Championship Monday, when that portal opens, it is going to be a wild free-for-all, Sean. And you better bring a lot of money. You better bring a lot of money to the deal.
10: Yeah, Well, I don't think it's just going to be money. uh, Because I think that what you're talking about, and I agree with that, I don't know the percentages, but I agree with that heavy-handed on the transfer portal because uh, I think Nico is the exception. I think a guy that uh, that uh, is, a, is a bright light in the NIL and then comes in and is humble, uh, is as good as advertised, does not cause a stink, et cetera, I, I think that's the exception to that rule. Um, I think also if you take a look at Tennessee's uh, lack of momentum, in recruiting i don't think it is a lack of momentum i think they identified guys they wanted and then they've kind of put a halt on it but they've they're as you say circling back and uh kai bates uh a guy that had that tennessee wanted really bad and that he wanted to come here bad but outside influences pushed him to lsu earlier in the week he decommitted from lsu he's a a tall corner out of florida and he's coming in likely this week uh, for a visit uh, jordan seaton uh, the number one offensive tackle in the country it can go anywhere he wants uh there's some thought that uh, tennessee is right up there at the very top now who knows where he goes so i think you can pick and pick your uh targets with that but uh, much like um you know the nfl found this out you know and i think that's why they went to the structured draft slotting uh is that hey we're not going to give Sam Bradford a hundred million dollars coming out of college, you know, and hope he plays well or whatever it was, you know. We're gonna we're gonna focus our money on on free agents and, and do it that way, and I, I think that's wise. Uh, you, you said something else, and I sent you a text uh, earlier in the week about these overlapping periods and these overlapping, you know, why this, why that, why is the signing date here? Not well, it is what it is, um, but. I think that when you have a large organization right now, I would imagine that Tennessee, like other SEC schools, probably has a uh, has a department in there that is running all these different scenarios. They probably have a checklist of, of offensive tackles that might be in the portal. Uh, they might have, you know, who, and then they've scouted them and doing all this stuff. Well, is he going to go? Is he not going to go? Um, I think they probably have a... A good idea on—they uh, probably already doing checking because they've got all these respectfully underlings or subordinates. That I mean, that's what you're doing. You can only, only so many people can watch the same film and come up with a alternative uh, game plan. So I, I would imagine a lot of these things are being covered right now. And the other thing is that the name of the game right now, whether I like it or not, is that is that all this stuff is getting sped up, and uh, it's it's. The lone person that waits till the summer uh, to transfer out. Now they're getting ready to transfer now, and more and more high school kids are graduating early. So you really have to, uh, uh, you know, distill this information quickly, and and you know, get your buttons buttoned up uh, for spring ball because you want to instill or install all these guys into your program and, and see what you have.
7: It's absolutely wild too. and the article went on to say, to your point, that now these staffs, instead of kids watching – and I say kids, young young coaches that are coming up – instead of them watching, you know, future opponents or whatever, they're now assigning to these youngsters, you take a conference, you take uh, like area scouting almost – you take the teams in this league, and they are breaking film up, film down from sunup to sundown on certain guys, and do we want to reach out to them? Do we want to see if they're happy they're playing at that level? And so kids all over that sport now are being scouted like they never were. And are, and as this article was talking about, you know, um, probably getting phone calls. Families are getting – it's, it's – uh, it's really going to be a wild time, but we'll talk about it in the next hour. In the meantime, <clears throat> Watson Brown, who brings forty plus years of experience, time as a head coach, offensive coordinator, place like Oklahoma, etc., uh, a household name in the coaching world, joins us on Wednesdays for his Wednesdays with Watson segment, and he he's just an incredible guy and. There's a couple of things I want to ask him about from the, the game the other day, including how, like Sean was talking about, the what should our level of concern be for a program that three times in a calendar year went on the road and just got hammered? In games they should at least be in, if not win. And then the second question is, I want to talk to him about the spacing. Vino brought this up, and I was talking to him this morning. But, you know, that, that fumble was a, was a big big deal where Joe Milton collides with a back. I mean, at that point in time, you're still semi in the game, I guess. Um, but that was just part and parcel of the collapse the other night. When a quarterback and a running back collide like that, whose fault is it? We'll talk to him about that. What to do with the quarterback situation now going forward? It's almost Nico season. It is almost Nico season. We're going to continue on the other side. Uh, Watson Brown joins us as we continue after this.
11: This is Terry Wilcox, a.k.a. The Chicken Man, a.k.a.
8: t Willy, and you're listening to 101.7 FM WKOM, Columbia,
2: Tennessee.
14: Need a little extra cash for the holidays? From now until Christmas, Hiller Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Electrical is giving you a $500 Visa gift card when you buy select new HVAC systems or receive a $250 gift card with a new tankless water heater. And upgrade now with monthly payments as low as $79. Visit happyhiller.com. Happy you'll be, or the service is free.
8: Call the happy face truck today.
5: This is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern Middle Tennessee, WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia. Tony be
7: back with you. Now's the time. This man needs his own theme music. We really need to up our game around here because he ups his game every time he comes on with us. Now... Watson Brown, last week I had me kind of a rough week, you know, not feeling well under the weather. But, you know, as, as I like to tell myself, there are people out there that are really sick, so who cares about me? But you, you, you're joining on the TLD Logistics Hotline online at tldlogistics.com. Watson, last week when you were on here, you predicted, and I welcome you in, but let's get right to it. You predicted Tennessee was going to have a breakout game. They were going to hand the ball to Milton. He was going to perform really well, and man, they just went out there last week and did an L stinkeroo at Columbia.
12: Yeah. yeah, Tony, they did. I I thought it'd be a, if it, I, I guess last week I predicted it'd be a good game, but Tennessee would win, and I thought they they would pick it up on offense. And it's kind of been it, it's that once a year deal that shows up with them. That's why. It's twice about the same time last year with South Carolina and. I don't know. The South Carolina one, to me, to make more sense, their role in South Carolina wasn't very good. They knew going to Missouri that Missouri was very good, and they knew that Missouri would be after them after the last last year's deal and really the last two years' deal. <clears throat> so this one makes less sense to me than the, than the, the South Carolina one did. Uh, but they they just they didn't look the same. It didn't look like what Tennessee teams I've been watching play.
7: You've been in that locker room. You prepare. You think, hey, my stuff works. And then you get out there and either what your opponent's doing is different or what you prepared for is different. Uh, hey, Sean Sinclair, what was the word that Josh will used before the press? What was the term he used? I keep forgetting what the term was.
10: He um, he, he uh, um, artistically said that uh, they were structurally different than we had seen before.
7: Watson, what does that mean to you in coaching parlance? Uh, uh, when a head
12: coach you, says that, they're giving you different alignment. Uh, they they played with the same philosophy. Everybody has. They put either six or five in the box. When they put five in the box, it's it looked like all five. It was a it was a fifty look, or just even a four one look with the five guys. Same thing Tennessee saw every week. The difference is when they were in six, they were in a 3-3 three, three stack some. And I have not seen that this year. Anybody had done that. Meaning they had three down linemen and three linebackers in a stack look. And that, that's, that's what he meant by that. And it is different. It's the, the blocking schemes are different. Uh, he's had to have seen that in the last couple of years, somewhere along the way, because that's just one of the six-man looks you get when you spread them out all over the place. And Usually, you get what I call a 4-2, Tony. There's four down linemen, two linebackers, and they slide them around in there different ways, maybe, but this was a 3-3. Texas A&M played them with three down guys, but they brought the sixth guy from space. He'd walk out in space and then come to the line of scrimmage as the ball's being snapped, This bunch just lined up in six in the box, but stacked. I don't know if they backed up in and made him a linebacker. I I didn't study the numbers. But they did get a different look. I I agree with that. But I don't think that's what caused the problems. I mean, what they're having trouble with is the same thing I had trouble with. When you run this style of offense, and I can talk about this because I did, good and bad, in my latter years i I did a lot of exactly what he's doing. And, and when you go fast and you go with either <clears throat> four wide receivers all split out somewhere or three and keep a tight end in, when you do that, what the, what the defenses tell you to do, Tony, is what you do. You do it off of what you see. And so if the defenses tell you to run and you, and you don't run well, you're in trouble. You are in trouble. Tennessee to me this year is is anytime uh, people I love offensive coaches when they say, and I've said this a thousand times, it's not true. But you want to be balanced. You want to run and pass to be balanced. Well, you're. I'm only one time in my forty-something years of coaching offenses that I was I uh, truly balanced, and I think it was two hundred and two passing and two hundred rushing. For the year, you're always a little better most of the time at one or the other, and uh, you want to be semi-balanced. But you're better at one than the other. Now, Tennessee this year is better at running than throwing, and that's not the best way to be, probably, because when you when they tell you to run, it's hard to score a lot of points when you run first. It's really hard to score a lot of points. Because they get to where they just make you three and four yards You Now, you can score, but it's going to take longer. The other thing I've seen with Tennessee right now this year offensively is when you're really good on offense, I've never had a really good offense that I didn't have a bona fide one guy to throw it. To. Last year, Tennessee had that guy. This year, they don't. They do not have a bona fide one guy just to throw him the ball. And you you want to single him up, he's getting it. I don't care what's in the box and what ain't. If you've got single coverage, I'm throwing it to him out here. They don't have that guy. And I think that's really hurt them. Uh, but in this game, in this game, it wasn't just scheme. They just didn't have the same mentality to play. I mean, it, and you know me, I'm a Josh Apple fan. big time, I, I still am. But in this game, Missouri was so motivated, and Tennessee was not. And when you're that way now, it's not going to be a pretty day.
7: When did you realize they were in trouble, Watson? In the middle phone? of the
12: second quarter, I just started seeing Missouri is running all over them. All over them. I mean, any kind of run they want. They're, turning around and they're, they're, they're in the pistol back there most of the game. And they just turn and run the stretch play. They run two plays. They run the zone play and the stretch play. And Tennessee couldn't slow them down. They, they just kept doing it and doing it and doing it, and then the quarterback would hit one or scramble around and hit one. Missouri had it, I mean, and it wasn't a scheme thing. They were just putting hats on. That that little back is just running right through them. They didn't tackle well. They did not chase the ball well. Way too many big plays. Uh, and Tennessee, built the way they are this year, they can't catch up. They just don't have the the players to catch up when they get down and so that's what's happened. what happened at florida what happened at alabama they can't they're they're a front runner in the i don't mean it in a that way i mean they're they're an in the lead team that's when they play their best and when they get down a couple of scores they're just not good enough this year guys passing the football to catch up can't do it
7: the other day and i want to ask you about this and then our our panel has a some questions Sean and and Brian want to get in here, but there was a scenario or a, a sequence where uh Joe Milton and a back I believe it was Samson with him, but it 's not important, but one of the, one of the backs uh, was with him, and uh they collided, and the ball went free and it was a weird looking kind of a fumble in in time i, I guess Joe was trying to sell that it was a incomplete pass. When you see a quarterback and a running back bang into each other in space like that, whose fault is that, Watson?
12: You never know. Uh, I, I thought this one was the quarterback, but I'm not, I don't know. I don't know the real true structure of what they were trying to do. Uh, you see a lot where the timing in the backfield gets messed up some with a snap. The snap, the one tough thing with a gun is when the snap is off a little, it messes up all your timing of the play. And that's where I used to say to my back, you don't move till you see where the ball is. You don't go on the snap. You kind of hesitate a minute to make sure the snap's good, and you do the adjusting by where you see the snap, meaning if you run in the zone and the snap is a little left. You wait and let the quarterback get the ball and then go. Because if you go on the snap, and the snap isn't exactly right, that's why the old single-wing people were so good, man. At the time of that stuff they're doing, that snap is hitting that wing, that tailback back there perfect on every play. Well, in college football in today's world, it ain't hitting perfect all the time. and uh, so. But I don't think that was this play. I don't know, but... You, you have that some. I, I, I don't, I don't blame that on anything. It's just that play. It happens some and it's not pretty when it does. Um, but they had a lot more issues, Tony, than, than that in this game. I mean, when Tennessee don't run it well, uh, they're in trouble this year. They just don't, they can't just go to the pass because, and then I, I, I'll talk a little bit about Joe. When Joe, when Joe is not on, and he gets a little anxiety or he gets a little tight or he gets a little upset and he's not just throwing in rhythm and well. He goes back to his all out slings and he, and he's throwing balls the other day, slants. He's throwing eight, 10 yard balls that are just not catchable. And we've, we, we you see drops, but when you throw it that hard and it is not perfectly thrown, it's hard to catch, man, and they want to blame the receiver. It's the quarterback. He, he still has the problem of when he gets anxious and he gets a little uptight or it's just not going well that he, he reverts right back to bullets. And I never thought any, I've had a bunch of him. I've had a bunch of him and I've had a bunch of the other kind. It's really hard for the strong, strong arm guys to have touch. It's just really hard to do. You work them, you work them, you work them. They get better at to get better at it. But when they when they get flustered, they go right back to those bullets. That's what I saw again against Missouri the other day. Just bullets all over the place.
7: And then at the end of the game, he's you know he's in the soup and he throws that ball back in his goal line that's taken in for a touchdown. And at that point, at that point, let me ask you this, and and I'll, I'll jump Sean in here, and then brian has got some few things as well. It's our Wednesday with Watson segment. Watson Brown joining, blessing us with his time and his expertise today. I can't figure out why they didn't play Nico at the end of that game after he threw that interception. Can you,
12: can you come you No, I, I, I normally don't. You know me. I'm not much to jump coaches and that, but I I would have played him. I mean, your, your starter is not playing well. He is not playing well. Game's over. He knew it was over. They're they're not good enough to catch up quick like they were last year. And and I would have put him in and let him have some of that just to let him get more experience and get 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 a tough road place to play and that would help. I would have helped him for next year as he gets ready to hit the road early. And uh, yeah, I, I didn't. I did not understand that either. To be very honest, and and, I, and man, do I not? I'm not much for that. I just don't like. Getting on coaches when you don't know exactly what all's going down. There's a lot of reasons coaches do things that sometimes the fans don't know. Uh, but I, I sure would have put him in there in that, at the end of the game. But, and because Joe wasn't playing well. If Joe's playing a great game, I, I'm not sure I wouldn't let him finish it. But, but he didn't play well.
7: In a way, it's almost a relief to him, you know, to get him out of there
12: at that point. I'm not way. sure it doesn't hurt his confidence to leave him in there and it just get worse. And yeah. everybody's on his case. You know the fans were eating him alive, which is the way it goes. I mean that's part of it. But that, that also, if you just keep having a real bad day and you throw another interception or you do something bad, and then I'm not sure that helps you to get ready for the one coming to town this week. You know to keep him in there like that.
7: Sean Sinclair, jump in here with uh, the great Watson Brown. Wednesdays with Watson. Watson, I missed you last week, man.
12: I miss you too, man. Hope you're feeling better. Jeez, that stuff's that's bad. That stuff's
7: bad. I had it myself, and it's not a good thing.
12: Oh, Cinco, go ahead. Hey, Coach. Uh, again, uh, thankful that
10: you're on here. Last week, I got asked you about stats and what you look for, and one that is just jumping out to me, and it's been there for a while with Josh Heupel, is is penalties. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm old school, the time I was at UT where uh, with Coach Majors, whatever, but I can understand a penalty here and there, but when we get in these moments, and you said early in this call, you you said the word mentality. It didn't show up in the same mentality. I see a lack of focus, uh, any number of pre-snap penalties, uh, holding on the periphery by wide receivers and tight ends, um, a number of things that have followed Coach from UCF here. And people say, well, he's always going to have this. I call that bullcrap. I mean, that's just a, a pre-snap penalty is a lack of focus um, or lack of attention to detail, et cetera. And you saw this, that no matter what we did, we're staring at first and 20, second and 25,
12: et cetera, et cetera. Your thoughts on that? Well, you're, you're dead on, um, you're absolutely right. And he got away with it a year ago because that offense was so dynamic; they could make it up. Second and twenty was made up a whole bunch of times last year. This offense isn't made that way, isn't? I'll even say it better than that. it's not capable of making it up. They just don't have the players at the at certain positions that they had a year ago. And uh, I don't know. I I'm an old school dude, so it's easy for me to say this and i know everybody's sitting there listening and says well yeah he's not coaching now so it's easy to say and i don't want to i don't want to make it feel that way because that's not the way i feel Uh, but i just you can't win football games with with undiscipline and the undiscipline i can remember many of my teams i'll put myself right where josh was i can remember many times in my 32 years as a head coach that we just weren't into it that day the same way we need to be. And I don't mean not completely into it, but just, just weren't the same as we were in in a game before or whatever. And it's amazing, Sean. That's when that stuff starts happening more. When my kids weren't into it, and I'll talk myself more than just on on Josh's case, but when my kids weren't into it and that would happen, I knew. I knew that I had to go back and get that fixed. And it starts with a mentality first of, how of youth. And I never understood this as a coach. And I know fans feel this way. Back when I was in it, you played 11 games. But let's say it's 12 like it is now. You only play 11, 12 games. How in football, how can you not be ready to play the next week the same way? And uh, that's a great question, but I'll have to admit, there were times my teams didn't show all 11 times. And, uh, man, is it the most frustrating thing in the world, but I can vividly remember many times in my career the most heated I ever got with individual players on my team where I'd take something and throw it up against the wall or something, and believe I did some of that, um, it was over that kind of stuff. I, I just don't beat yourself. I played the academies forever, forever. At, at a lot of the schools I was at, I was in the league with West Point and then and Conference USA and they don't do that stuff. They don't. They they might get beat, but they just don't do that stuff. I think they get that discipline, Sean, 24 hours a day. I get them for four hours a day, but. Some way, somehow, you've got, you got—you cannot do that and win championships. And I think Josh knows that. And if he don't get that corrected, and I think he got away with it last year, he's not getting away with it this year. Last thing for me is the
10: um, early in the season. Uh, you know, we could we could play some man uh, coverage in the secondary, and I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of the way we our cornerbacks play the pass or any of them really. Uh, but they, you saw it against Florida where they made Mertz look like a Heisman winner. Leary torched us. And then this past week where we've gone to this soft zone, passive cover, whatever you want to call it, uh, bail out and leave two linebackers to cover the whole freaking field. Yeah. And these guys are sitting there. And everyone's ripping Elijah Herring and not our linebackers. But I'm here to say that. Yeah, and then we're zone blitzing a little bit, so you're always only bringing four, and you're you're sending one of your best defensive ends, if you want Leo, whatever, into pass coverage, taking him out of the play. But I feel for these linebackers because these guys are having to make open field tackles for the most part on on high quality athletes with the ball in their hands with with five, six, ten yards of separation before they even get there. What? Why do wow. we keep doing this and uh, it's just a, it's a, it's a, uh, you know, it's a death by a thousand paper cuts.
12: Yeah, it is. And I think what I see in looking at them, not knowing everything, but I, what I see when I watch him, and I watch them every week because I'm going to be on with you guys and talk to you. And and uh, I think the the weakest spot talent-wise for Tennessee right now is the the, the defensive backs. I think it's the weakest spot on the team. I think they're nervous about that, and they're trying to cover up. Last year, they pressured a lot more and played a lot more man-free. They're not doing that this year. I've watched them a lot in their pressures, and when I say pressure, pressure means you're bringing five. Blitz means you're bringing six. And then you rush four, you rush three. I mean, that's basically what it it is in today's game right there. And uh, so they've been a pressure team. They brought five a lot. This year, they're playing more zone coverage with that. John, and when you do that, you're three under and three deep now instead of four under and three deep. So you've got one less guy underneath. The one thing that's happening in college football, and, and, and Josh may have to look at this because his big splits don't let him, if you remember this, Tony, I talked about this a year ago, they can't pick you with vertical, they can't pick you with horizontal picks running those shallow crossing routes because their splits are too wide. They have to vertically pick you, meaning they stack them out there and they'll They'll twist those guys and try to get you clean off of off of it, getting picks that way. Well, everybody in college football right now is running these shallow crossing routes, and it's very good against man. And then it's very good against zone. The reason it's good against zone is you got linebackers trying to tackle a little fast underneath guys. That's a mismatch. They're catching the ball. And now they want to blame the linebacker for tackling. That's not easy in space now for a big old 230, 40-pound linebacker to tackle a 200, pounds receiver running back coming across the field that is really hard for anybody to tackle in space, much less these linebackers. That's what Missouri did. Missouri threw a bunch of shallow crossing routes. And Tennessee missed a lot of tackles doing it. But that's going to happen some. In, in that way. But I think, looking at Tennessee, uh, I think receivers are a little better in their playing. playing. I still think they ain't got Josh's stuff, and I know they should by now. But evidently, they've had so many injuries. Heard another one the other day. But I think the weakest position at Tennessee right now, if they've got to go recruit, is, is and they've lost some of these guys. I know that, injury-wise. is secondary. I think they're covering up for that.
7: It's interesting, because they're extremely passive. You were talking about
12: yeah, there are. Never and late. that's what happens when, got to, when you're got when you afraid of getting beat deep because you're not talented enough to cover these guys. What do you do? That's what you do. You back off, keep the ball underneath you, and see if they'll mess it up somewhere along the way. That's what you have to do. I was there many times because I was always playing teams a lot better than me, and that's, okay, what are we doing, boys? Are we going to come after them and play man and hold our own and see if we can? Or are we going to make them – try to try to mess it up as they go down the field and try to get a play to get them out of this in the long yardage by bringing a blitz here or there, but bend but not break. And sometimes, man, fans hate to do so, that, bend but not break. They hate it. But some of my teams, a lot of my teams, I had to do that. I yes. wasn't good enough to, to cover and couldn't just keep giving up easy big plays all day long.
7: Brian Hartman, jump in here with Watson Brown. Wednesdays with Watson here on your Tony Basilio show. So many people thought that when Hyple said that there was things
13: structurally different, that that was a way of saying that his coaching staff was out-coached and out-schemed. So you're not saying that.
12: No, what, I'm not. Is saying. what I get it. No, I'm not. I think it was a scheme that you got to get on the sidelines and the five or six running plays you're running that day, you work through all of them against that look, make sure that they know what they're doing. Now, that, that isn't a look they've never seen before, but what happens is you've practiced, Brian, against certain looks all week. And maybe you saw this look last year sometime or in the first game of the season this year or whatever. You know, they know what their assignment would be, but you get on the sidelines and you get everybody on the page. Okay, if we're gonna run the zone play, here's the way we gotta block this look. Everybody got it. And so that I think that's what he meant. I don't I don't think he was saying they got outcoached. I always thought I'm a hard taker of it, man. And Brian I always thought if I lost I got out coached. I always said that. I said that to my coaches. I was much harder on my coaches on Sundays than my players. And uh, I, I just thought we had to play really, really good to win. And if we didn't, then we didn't coach them good enough. So Coach Majors was that way, 100% that way. I know how he was. I know exactly how he was. Coach Saban is that way, 100%. It's coaching. And um, Josh may be the same way. Uh, but I don't see Josh. He he I, he's too classy. I don't see him getting on coaches or publicly or this or that. But I'll bet you he goes back and lets them have it. Or I did. Good or bad, that's the way I was. I'll be honest with you guys. I was I was a tough guy on coaches.
7: Watson Brown. Now we staring down the barrel of a team. I, I'm referring to Georgia right now as a gathering storm yeah three weeks ago a month ago this looked like a winnable game uh looked like a game where tennessee could have a coming out party you know it'll kind of all comes together and moving toward that the vols have kind of gotten beat up here you were talking about the loss of thornton and it just feels like they're sort of heading in the wrong direction heading into this game but yet it is college football man i I guess Georgia has such a wonderful amount of talent that they've been able to build toward this, kind of grow their quarterback, if you will, which is so important in today's game. He's a completely different quarterback than he was five weeks ago, Coach. Oh, geez.
12: Oh, man. See, I I look at Tony this way. I think that the two best coaching jobs in the SEC this year are done by the two teams that everybody says they they don't have to coach their players are much better than everybody's. Now, I think Georgia and Alabama have done the two best coaching jobs this year. They've they've developed a team. You've got to develop a team around your quarterback. I'm talking about on both sides of the ball. Everything goes off of that guy in today's game. When Herschel Walker was playing, that wasn't the case. But in today's world, everything goes off your quarterback. Well, Alabama and Tennessee started with average to no guy there. And look at both of them today. They've built the whole team around what the quarterback can do. And that's why I think Georgia has gotten better. They've made sure the things they make him do, he can do. And I know that's what happened at Alabama. They've done the things that kid can do, and here they are now. I'm not sure they're not two of the top four teams in the country uh, because they – These two guys, Coach Saban and Coach Smart, have have been the two best football coaches in the SEC this year, in my opinion, and I'm giving them credit for that. The Tennessee shot Saturday is that Georgia won't be as much ready to play because they're in the championship game. I don't think that'll be the case. This team is playing too hard every week. I can't see that. Tennessee's shots to get off to a good start. They if they can just get off to a good start and get that crowd riveting, Georgia hasn't been in this kind of atmosphere, and uh, but it won't be that atmosphere unless Tennessee can get off to a good start. How do you get there? How do you do that if you're the Vols? I don't know. I don't know. They have got to go back and just be wide open more and take chances. What the heck? This team's better than them. I always felt like if you're better. This team's better than you. Don't sit there and just be conservative. If you you don't go out to keep a game close, you go out to win the game. So I I would expect them to come out and be a little more wide open than we've seen them in in these past weeks. And if it don't work, it don't work. But open up a little more and go for it. See what happens here. They got to score points. You're not holding Georgia. Tennessee's defense lately—they're not holding Georgia under thirty. They're not going to do it. So they, that tells me Tennessee's got to score thirty-five to win the game. And right now, as conservative as they are, they can't do that. So they got to loosen up and let it go. If it don't work, it don't work, but let it go.
7: The great Watson Brown, do you have any other words of wisdom for us here on the way out? Because you've been an absolute gentleman and a scholar. And I'll tell you what, you're, um, you're staying away from George Plaster, you know, and just limited exposure to him this this fall. Yeah. Man, it's, it's smartened you up. So to speak.
12: <laughs> I hope there's a recording of this, and you can send that and let him hear that.
7: Hey, Watson, I hope you have a great one, man. Be, be blessed, okay, buddy?
12: Well, thanks, guys, and I hope you you guys understand. A lot of things I talk about, I didn't do well myself, so I'm trying to be as humble about all this as I can, but give you give your thoughts and advice of what I see anyway.
7: Hey, hey it's a hard, brutal, humbling game. It is. But but they didn't pay you seventy six million dollars like they do these dudes on the way out. How'd you get fired like that, Watson?
12: Oh my God! I'm not telling you what I got paid when I got fired from <laughs> the bar. I ain't telling you. It's it, believe me, it ain't anywhere close to seventy six million dollars, my man. Can you imagine? Unbelievable! Can you imagine what they've
7: done to that profession? How crazy it is!
12: Oh my gracious! Get what we pay for it, don't we? <laughs> Get what you pay for. Thank you, Watson. No, good know. talking to you, okay, brother. Okay, guys. Honored to talk to you. See you.
7: Really interesting. Sean, I, I I thought it was interesting today. I was talking to him off the air about what happened, you know, the, the breakdown Saturday. And he said, Tony, that's, um, that's worrying. That's a troubling deal. For a coaching staff, that's troubling. He said, I've been there. He said, and you, you start to question you know, everything that's gone on. And you, you heard him. He didn't pull any punches on the air about that. Because really, those guys know there's just no – he said it. I mean, you only have 12 of them. And out of the 12, Sean, four of them are guaranteed wins. So you really only have eight of them. And out of those eight, another two or three like the Vanderbilts of the world are probably guaranteed wins. So really, you got five or six of them that you need to get up, and Tennessee was just flatter than a pancake Saturday.
10: Well, they were, and uh, it's we're we're myopic. We uh, we only see Tennessee. Uh, other teams, other teams, uh, you know, the uh, in different circumstances. But Colorado was about to take over the world, and now they're uh, crashing back to earth. And so every every team has its. It's blights on it but um uh you know i remember oh, gosh it's going on well over 20 years i sat and listened to jackie Sherrill talk at a memphis touchdown club one time and he said this time there was only 11 games and he said he said guys you can only he said you can have all the speeches you want you can have all the rah rah bulletin board material etc he said but truthfully, you can only... And here's a guy that was at Pitt, and this was at Mississippi State, but he'd been at Pitt and A&M, some, some big-time programs, was under majors there. And uh, he said, he said you can only hope to get your team up three times a year. And he said, the other times, you just hope your guys are better than their guys and you've schemed up stuff and you've coached them, etc. But he said... And that's why I think that... Uh, uh, Alabama, and it's not a. Uh, I'm here to tell you, I'm not a big fan of them, but I, I you have to respect that those guys show up and they play hard, and they are in the game for the most part. Uh, you can say, well, what, what happened to South Florida against Golish? Alabama looked terrible. They did, but I'll also remind people that it, that's when they were uh, Tommy Reese was trying to juggle quarterbacks, yep, and they weren't playing around Milrow. Yeah, and then state, and the, and the the genius of Saban comes in. You even said this, I believe. That Satan came and said, "Look, look, Holmes, we're riding with Milrow. This other nonsense you guys got going on. You either call it for Milrow, or you hit the road." That's well, what he
7: told them. What on that Sunday? They they got back from that uh, yeah South Florida deal, and uh, I know that for a fact. He he looked at them and said, "Look, you had your fun." And yeah. the thing about the Milrow deal is they've really grown him. They they've uh, put him in spots. And this Georgia bunch, you know, their schedule has been so fortuitous this year and easy, I mean, quite frankly, that they've been able to grow their quarterback to the point where they have. And I agree with Watson. I hate to say this. Two best coaching jobs in the league this year are Georgia and Alabama. And I think it's going to be a heck of a championship game here in a few weeks. But let's go to the phones. As uh, Watson Brown was terrific today, it's no wonder that is a segment that gets so much pop and people talk about it and from from coast to coast hello and welcome into our next call you're live on the air and i want to say that watson appeared on the tld logistics hotline online at TLDLogistics.com. hello and welcome into our next call hello
11: tony this is a luke you hey lukey, luke-y bubby lukey dome that wants handrails in newland stadium
7: handrails in newland uh-huh. stadium okay
11: yeah, I sit on row fifty two on the end and I can look down the steps and they've been beaten down. They look like ice. Ice. You know, they look like snow like your kids were going down the hill in the snow.
7: I don't think okay. you wanna fall from uh, I don't think you wanna fall from up there in the row fifty two. I think that'd be cu- quite a tumble there, Lukey boy.
11: These uh these old men and old women and myself we we waver back it to the left, to the right. We step on these steps, and we have to stand there five seconds before we can make another step so we won't fall. If we can put handrails in uh, uh, Thompson Bowling Arena, we can we can do it in the old state. That
7: <laughs> sounds like a heavy undertaking. Danny White just if uh, I was lost Danny his breath.
11: White, if I was Danny White, I would come on your show. Uh, he never He's never asked him on your show, has he?
7: Well, we're not. I, yeah, it, that's not what we're doing. But I love you. Yeah. Thanks for programming. I appreciate
11: hey, you. Hey, Tony. Yeah, I've got a long call. I got some more stuff. If you want to come back, no, you, no, tomorrow,
7: you're please. coming at me. Go ahead. Good. You're not. You're again. You're not programming. Go for it, bro.
11: Okay. Uh, I'm from the school of uh, W Land and Tr. We can win. We've got the pieces to win this game. We the crowd needs to be loud Saturday. We've got the pieces. Certainly, we're the underdog, but we can win this game. David, did he beat Goliath? He beat Goliath. Did uh, uh, Cassius Clay beat uh, Sonny Liston? He beat Sonny Liston. Without
7: throwing a punch. That was incredible.
11: Yeah. Yeah. And we and did we win the 1985 Sugar Bowl against Miami? who was over us. So, we can win this game. We've got the pieces. We just need to be loud. And we need to have a little luck. But we can win this game if the crowd will be loud constantly. They took tickets away from us last year in Georgia. They said, don't give them to the Tennessee fans. Don't give them to the Tennessee fans. But the same, we, we shouldn't give any tickets to the Georgia fans. And I've got a question for Sean, Tony. I want Sean to tell me why Tennessee can win, not why we can lose. Just tell me why we can win. It could be maybe
10: a different structure, a different structure. Well, I can't give you any, I can't give you any coaching highlights. I'm not a coach, and I'm barely even a decent observer. But what I would say, we can win. Absolutely, we can win. We have the talent that can win. I think a couple things are going to have to ha- in play, though. Uh, you're going to have to have a, a rowdy environment, which we will. Uh, but, but like uh, Coach Brown said. It, it's not, there's no, no crowd in the world can sit there and watch uninspired football and be on top of their game setting records at decibel levels. That's not That's not the case. Um, you go into Neyland Stadium with the understanding that the fans are going to be there, they're going to back you, they're going to be your 12th, 13th, 14th to the 30th person, uh, but you got to show up too. So we got to, uh, the crowd's got to be there. I think that we have to minimize, like Coach Nealan says, team making the fewest mistakes will win. You can't keep beating yourself uh, when you're an inferior uh, team. And then you gotta, you you, kids got to believe they gotta want to be there, they gotta want to fight for 60 minutes. And then, frankly, you have to have some things go your way. Uh, You know, a a ref has to uh, swallow a whistle or two. A ball's got to bounce your way. Um, they got to turn the ball over. And a big key is, you know, it, it's it's hard. Look, we win uh, the national championship game. We go to Arkansas uninspired and lose the game there. Georgia hasn't done that yet. I mean, they, they've won two in a row. They're looking to do three in a row, which is unprecedented. Chances are they're going to stumble. And why not this week? Exactly. But, when they stumble, you've got to be there uh, to take advantage of it. And um, that's a, that's that's upon us. We have to do that. So can we win? Yes. Uh, will it be a miracle? No. Uh, but we've got to do our part. And the, several games this year, not only that, take a look at, we're up 20-7, to seven, I think, or 6 at, at Tuscaloosa with everything going our way. And we come out and lay an egg in the second half? What, what, that that crowd was silent. It was like a morgue in there. And we come out and just don't even show up. These guys, these guys, and the coaches—they—they've got to put out something here, man. It, it, that's not even—that's not even passing football. I mean, meaning getting a C or better. No, that was dreadful. That was an abomination. And so, yes, we can win, uh, but it's—it's going to have to be as coaches' mentality, effort, want to. Uh, the fight etc
11: that's good stuff uh, Sean and uh, and the people don't think we can win uh, why not not even listen to the game or watch the game if you don't think we can win don't watch and I and let Titan bill sing the uh, Tennessee fight song Tony make him he'll do it which one Uh it was the main one, the main one. There. You
7: want to sing uh, "Fight Balls Fight." You want to sing "Rocky Top." You want to sing "Down Rocky the top. Field."
11: Let, let him sing "Rocky Top." Let him sing "Rocky Top." All right, the main top. one. That's the it.
7: main one. Okay. Well, Dolly Parton's going to be. be an in... and
11: get that guy from the northeast to call in. This is T.R. and the guy from the northeast and W. Lynch.
7: Wow! What did Lukey? What Brian? What'd you do to Lukey today? Lukey ate his his vitamins. Who's uh, the guy from the Northeast he's talking about? Who in the heck knows? It's a freaking guy that wants a dome in our baseball stadium. That guy's a lost ball in high weeds. Let's get our next call in. TLD Logistics uh, phone lines. Hello and welcome in. Hey, Tom.
9: Hey, you're on the air. Welcome in. You, uh, you, uh, want me to start with my weekly Hugh Freeze nugget or end with it?
7: Well, I'll tell you what, Columbo, stay right there, because we got it. this is a teaser. Columbo, ladies and gentlemen, the Columbo kid has cometh. He will lead things off in Hour 2. The Columbo kid, Hour 2 upon us.
5: This is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern middle Tennessee, WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia.
2: American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the drywall that somehow isn't. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher
3: standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090.
4: Hi, this is Steve, the garbage man. Y'all have heard me talk in the past about Packer, our mascot dog. Well, I have some sad news about Packer. She recently crossed over the Rainbow Bridge to join our other beloved pets of the past. Packer lived out her final days on our farm in Water Valley. She had a great 14 years of life after being rescued by Don from being thrown away as a pup in someone's garbage. Rest in peace, Packer.
15: Ho, ho, ho Hello, everyone. It's Santa here. Christmas is a magical time. From the songs that we sing to the cookies that we'll eat, it's a time of celebration. So why don't you come and let's start the season with singing and cookies with me, Santa and Mrs. Claus at Once Upon a Christmas at Christchurch Columbia at 707 Lion Parkway. That's November 17th and 18th, starting at 6 p.m. You can have your picture taken with us, Mrs. Claus and I, and we'll eat a cookie too. As well as learn the history of St. Nicholas. So come out and enjoy an evening of fun and help support Crossroads to Home and Combat Vets Motorcycle Association. That's Once Upon a Christmas at Christchurch Columbia at 707 Lion Parkway here in Columbia. You can call 931-540-0898 for information. That's 931 931- 540-0898. Built to win.
2: Touchdown Alabama.
15: Built for championships. Throws intercepted Alabama. Built
4: by Bama.
2: Alabama is still Alabama.
4: The Crimson Tide play here. Join us Saturday as the Crimson Tide take on the Chattanooga Mocs. Our coverage begins at 8 a.m. On your home for Alabama football, the Crimson Tide Sports Network
8: from Learfield. This is Jack Cobb with Murray County Public Schools and the Big Yellow School Bus. You're listening to Front Porch Radio on 101.7 WKOM in Columbia, Tennessee.
7: Ladies and gentlemen, it's hour number two on your Tony Basilio show. Hey, Brian, uh, we got our guy from um, Georgia coming up in a few minutes. Is that right? Yes. All 12-15. Right. Let's take care of an item of business here. Ladies and gentlemen, you bow your head and you say his name. Columbo, how we doing, buddy? You want me to start with the
12: Hugh Freeze
9: nugget or end the call with the Hugh Freeze? Columbo, very
7: few callers have their own theme music, but you're one of them, brother. So go right ahead. Do what You do what you want to do. This is freeform, radio-free, Tennessee.
9: That, that's it kind of piggyback with, uh, what uh Watson Brown was talking about and oh by the way that's a fantastic segment. Thank I, you, baby. I haven't I haven't yet gotten a listen to listen that this year. That's all that's appointment listening for every Tennessee fan. But you're talking about, you know, blank you know we didn't want to blame coaches and things like that. Well your boy this week I don't have the exact quote but I'll but I'll paraphrase. You know he's Played the three worst teams in the SEC in a row, and his offense has put up to the points. Which
7: and, which boy so, is this now?
9: three. Well, well, that comment—if he'd just—if he just put his foot down earlier, you know, they'd have won some games. And it's all a coincidence that he took over the play calling when they faced the three worst teams in the schedule. Now, mind you, in two weeks when they play all Alabama and they get beat. After the game, he's going to talk about how, well, I didn't call the plays this week. What's his Freeze. record?
7: What's what's her record right now?
9: Uh, I don't know, five and five. five so they're, they're going four, to a bowl one. game? Yeah.
7: Yeah, and his predecessor, what did he do last year?
9: He got fired with one game to go, two games to go.
7: In other words, Hugh Freeze is winning in a spot with the same players where a guy lost. Is that what you're telling me?
9: Well... Sure. I'm, not, I'm asking but, you. Is no, that what you're not, telling you're, me? He's not. I mean, winning. What's winning?
7: Well, is he going to a ball game or no? I I don't know. You tell me.
9: I mean, he beat the three worst teams in the league. Oh my gosh! And then and then claimed and then claimed it, it was because he started calling the plays. Those three dude, weeks. dude. You when before before earlier in the season he wasn't calling the plays, see, Tony. Because when two freeze calls a play, that's when things work. Columbus. He's not the plays, that's when things don't work.
7: Columbo's segment presented by BetterHelp.
9: I got a sponsor now.
7: God, what an issue. You got so many issues.
9: Well, piggybacking with the Watson Browns on. I want to talk Tennessee. Um, So they got this kid from uh, Hoban up here in Ohio, the big our signing offensive lineman. Yep. And like, so I talked to one of us media guy that didn't understand why Ohio State didn't offer, and then I talked to a person that knows him from the high school, at Hoban, and it's up in the Akron Canton area. And they said, "I said, well, why didn't Ohio State offer?" He goes, "Well, dude, Alabama did." I said, well, "That's good enough for me." Big road grader. I don't think he's fat. He's like fifths, but I don't think he's fat. You know I mean? You know what I mean? Um, yep. So hopefully helps on the way up front because the depth there is just I expect more from a program like the University of Tennessee, and I expect more in the back seven. I don't think it's scheme related I think it's personnel, man. I, they just look slow. They still look slow. They've looked slow for years.
7: Well, they're, they're so, veterans. We were talking back in the summer. One of my themes was how were they going to introduce the kids and how quickly were the kids going to overtake the slow upperclassmen and the answer was you can't get the upperclassmen out of that lineup with the jaws of life. It doesn't matter how many times they get beat. Like to Sean's point, it doesn't matter how many times they get burned. It doesn't matter how many guys they let run for 150 and catch for another 150 and I mean, nobody <laughs> lost their job this week from that uh, in the on the field, and so and, it never ends, Mark. It just never. Those guys Tony, like they're playing electric football
9: back there. Because Tony, I mean, I don't think I think they're good up front on defense.
7: They're very good. They're borderline elite up front.
9: I mean, they look they look the part. The yeah. kid, like Amari Thomas looks the part. The kid on the edge looks the part, mm-hmm. stud. But the back seven, they don't. They're not SEC caliber players. I mean, I'm sorry. And it's been that way for years. What are we doing? Tennessee is not a have not. I don't want don't cry poverty. Don't cry oh it's then I am No. We're we are a thriving program. We got more money than anybody not named Texas or Texas and M. And I firmly believe that. I think we have more money than Alabama. We got more money obviously more money in Florida. Use it. It's all legal now. Go use it.
7: Sean, how do you respond to this gentleman? Actually, when he gets off, Hugh Freeze actually making some sense.
10: Oh, I think he's always made a lot of sense. Uh, uh, I haven't followed you for uh, Auburn, so I couldn't talk about that. But uh, I mean, truth hurts. Uh, the secondary is um, it's a it's a uh, not the kids themselves. Nothing personal. I'll just say the secondary play. It's like playing a man or two down to the to the opponent, no matter who it is.
9: And, and Eli Drinkwood, he's not a chump. I mean, we make fun of him because he's a dork and all that, but that guy can coach. He can scheme up and he can coach. Yeah, he can coach. And they've gotten nil kind of figured out. Yep. You know they they they, do, they tell him that Burton kid with the jaws of life. I'm sure. Yep. Because I want a Tennessee to go after him. He's not a chump, and they torched us. And I get Milton's not good. I get that. And, I, and look, I I've, I've, my thing this year was, like, they're going 9-3. and three. I thought they'd beat Florida. I thought they'd lose A&M. I thought they'd beat Missouri. And they obviously lose to Georgia and Bam. At, okay, transition year. Get Nico here in 24 when we go to a 12-team playoff. Tony, what are your expectations of this guy moving forward? How often does he need to be in that 12-team playoff to to satisfy you? Twice every three years?
7: Yeah, I think that sounds about right. You know, that's
9: fair. I mean, that's not yeah. too much to ask. I, I'm being serious. Like, I, no, I, I think that's. Know.
7: I think it's probably right. Four, uh, four to five every ten, maybe something like that. Yeah,
9: can't can't cry poverty, Tennessee. Now, can't we got more money than anybody? Not in the Texas schools, and one Texas school can't get out of their way to save their lives. Can you believe he? You, so let me ask you a question. You think Jim o. Fisher woke up Sunday morning the happiest guy in America?
7: Are you kidding me,
9: Bunny, You want to go on vacation? Where, where do you want to go? Yeah, Paris, Barcelona. Do
7: you believe that these fools? An island? Yeah. And Rhode by Rhode the Rhode way, island? and by the way, if I take a few months off and want to get back in the game, I can make the money I'm going to make plus the seventy six million. No mitigation yeah. in the in the guy's deal. I mean, you can go
9: make ten million coaching West Virginia. What
7: in the world? Who does that? What Jimmy are these Jackson, presidents and ADs doing?
9: It's embarrassing. really good at his job. Jimmy That's Sessions is really good at his job.
7: So embarrassing.
9: Who do you think they hire? I'll give you my theory, and I'll go up there.
7: Who, does AM hire? I, I, I would have I, no idea.
9: I think they're hiring Dabo. How
7: about that, Sean Sinclair? Good. Dabo I, was I rather uh, curt yesterday when he was why. asked about I, I just, that.
9: I think it's a fit. I think it's a fit for both of them. I think Davo, by the time he leaves, gets out of Clemson. And Clemson will go right up and hire Jamie Chadwell because he's a perfect fit there. But Davo, he can at least fake it to do all the cult stuff. You know, they're not hiring Langkiff. There's no chance they hire Lane Kiffin. Billy Lucci, who is, he says it about Texas A&M, it's gospel, says he's not a candidate. Can you imagine Langkiff when they come to him and say, come do midnight yell or come pet the collie? Oh has has,
7: uh, has has Billy Lucci mentioned the name of Dabo Swinney?
9: I haven't heard that part of it, but I've seen it on their on their on their stuff. Uh, you know.
7: Boy, that'd be really something.
9: I, 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 I don't I have no idea. I, just, I
10: think, what, I think let me just thinking, that makes uh, a lot of sense because uh, Mark, you, you make a lot of sense there because one, Dabo knows that he's he's not gonna be Alabama's coach. That, that 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 dream has sailed. Uh, two, he can he. I I think he's a petulant kid uh, that uh, publicly won't change his stance. But you know darn good and well that he, he's fighting himself because he knows he's got to do the portal. He knows he's got to do the the NIL. Uh, but he he he, he doesn't want to publicly second guess himself. So uh, if he goes to a And M. Much like Freeze to Auburn, they can say, hey, we're going to take away your social media. Dabo can go down there and say, well, that's the way we do things. And he can soothe his his ego and also take advantage of that. Uh, Plus, also, I think that uh, um, the only one thing that stands in the way is that uh, I question his competitiveness. Uh, I really do. I think that he he has an easier run at... um, at Clemson of getting in a 12-team playoff than he does at Texas A&M, regardless of how much talent
7: uh, he can accumulate. Mark, thank you. Incredible phone call by you. You're the man.
10: Yeah, glad to hear him.
7: Yeah, but your, your, your fascination and hatred for Hugh Freeze, geez, man, give it a break. Talk about a guy that needs some counseling. Blaine Gilmer now joining us. He's not one of those folks. He's a southeastern fourteen. He's breaking it down scientifically, talking about the Georgia Bulldogs. And Blaine, I appreciate you giving us a few minutes here on the TLD Logistics Hotline. Hope you're well. And Blaine, uh, when I talk about the Georgia Bulldogs, I'm, I'm, my description of them this week is, as I look, and I'm no meteorologist, but they look to me to be a gathering storm coming to Nealon Stadium this week. That's my uh, that's my description of them.
16: No doubt it, That would be apropos. They're getting better on both sides of the ball, which is the scary thing uh, for the rest of college football because they have not, until last week, had Brock Bowers and Ladd McConkey on the field together, fully healthy. And quite honestly, I don't even know if Brock Bowers was a hundred percent. Maybe he was about ninety percent last week. Told Miss. so. They're getting better on the offensive side of the ball with health. Amarius Mims was also back. There's, there's few teams in the country that can rotate three tackles like Georgia has uh, and also three guards on the offensive front. So, hey, we're going to play seven offensive linemen, not because we have to, but because we want to. So that's a luxury there. And then even with Jamon Dumas-Johnson out at linebacker where he fractured his arm, they've lost the experience there with him, but they've gotten more athletic with the two freshmen that come in behind him with C.J. Allen and Reza Wilson. So some good stuff going on for that Georgia Georgia team
12: right now.
7: How surprised were you that Bowers came back within the window and the time frame that he did? How surprised were they?
16: I think they were far more confident based on what Kirby said in his in his uh, post game press conference. He was talking about seeing a blur on film, you know, two and a half weeks after the surgery, and it was Brock Bowers running across the field in practice, and they were like, "What? Who is that?" And and they told him, "That's Brock. He's doing his." his, his work on the field so i think they were far more confident i always thought that the tennessee game would be the game that he came back for so i was just surprised that he came back the week that he did but then i got to thinking about well that was obviously going to be his last time playing in stanford stadium that opportunity so uh even if he had only gone out there ceremonially for you know ceremoniously for one or two plays then i thought that would be more likely in that game but man he came out and played i think you know, high thirties, low forties. Snap count, uh, really a full load for Brock Bowers.
7: It's remarkable, and not only did he play, but he played really well. I mean, to your point, he didn't even look like he'd been away. No,
16: and I, and I I started tweeting it out, and I was in the stadium, and I was watching him in, in pregame warmups, and as soon as I saw him in the line there with all the inside receivers and the tight end. Georgia breaks it down where the quarterbacks are throwing to the different groups there. And as soon as I saw him run a 10, 10, yard out cut, catch the ball and turn up the sideline like nothing ever happened, I said, well, he's back everybody. He's doing it like, uh, like nothing. The ankle was never hurt before. So, um, the start stop, there was no issues there. Usually when you have that high ankle, you can tell a little bit when you're trying to gear it down or ramp it back up in a quick, you know, quick change of acceleration scenario. And there was no
7: issues there. Yeah, he's a man. He's a very scary athlete. Um, talk about the importance of McConkie, his being back, the leadership, all the stuff he provides. Yeah, and he well, he's an
16: eraser of problems as well, right? Other people maybe don't get separation. Maybe there's uh, they bring a little bit more pressure than you were expecting. He's so knowledgeable; and knows the knows the hot. He knows how to 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 separate. Can make tra- catches in traffic. So he's just so skilled at the different things he does. But the thing that people do is they, they underestimate him and there's several reasons why. Okay. They say they, get, they like to use the word, uh, crafty and, and all that kind of stuff. No, he's a elite talent at receiver and he's going to be treated that way in the NFL. Uh, you know, the senior bowl, all those guys are, are coming out saying he's, he's a top, top three round draft pick, maybe even higher, uh, when it comes down to it. Cause he's going to test off the charts at the combine, do all that kind of stuff. So. Um, he's an elite talent but he's also such a quality human being in that locker room that everybody admires him everybody respects him and he just uh he just raises not only his caliber play but the caliber play of everybody around him by setting the example that he sets.
7: i can't believe how well the quarterback's playing can you can you talk about from the beginning of the season to right now we had watson brown on with us last hour and He said the two best coaching jobs in the league are done this year by Nick Saban and Kirby Smart simply because both guys, from where their quarterbacks started to where they are now, both of those guys have grown their offenses around those quarterbacks.
16: Yeah, for sure. And I heard briefly at the end of your last call, you are talking about somebody's irrational hate for Hugh Freeze. I would like to throw him out there. If they somehow win these last two games, he deserves... Some look at FCC head coach amen. Year, you win eight games eight eight games after that train wreck that harson left amen that's, that's remark that's remarkable but yeah, and anyways, mark really and carson. mark
7: and columbus mark and columbus deal with that and quit being a freaking hater you embarrass yourself columbus but go ahead my friend continue
16: uh carson beck i think everybody knew that he would have success because of what was going to be around him but i think what gave people a little bit of pause on the season myself included is he came out and admitted hey it's been since i was a senior in high school which was four years ago since he started a competitive game he said yeah it was ut martin that first game of the year but i was nervous as all get out is what he said you know what i mean he said he was about to throw up out there because he just hadn't played in that meaningful atmosphere in a long time. But I think once he got over the jitters of, okay, first game, UT Martin, first road game, Auburn, which, by the way, people want to point out, okay, they say Brock Bowers is the reason they won that that game. No, Carson Beck being able to operate on third down on the road the way he did is the reason they won that game at Auburn. Tough as nails and and took a shot right in his chest for a touchdown pass earlier in that game. So, I mean – the way that he's operated, I think everybody thought, okay, he's going to have everything there for him. He's just got to keep it in between the buoys. But also, Mike Bobo has done a great job of setting him up for success, and they really have worked well together. Um, being able to – a lot of times you see things wide open for the, the Georgia Bulldogs, and and he's eventually started. I think the biggest area of growth that you see – if the deep ball is the biggest question. He was overshooting some guys. Well, look what happened on the double move to Lad McConkie against Ole Miss last week, wide open. But sometimes you don't, you can underthrow a deep ball if they're wide open just to make sure you complete it, and that's an area of growth for Carson Beck. So I think everybody, nobody's surprised that overall he's having success, but the confidence level that he started to play at now and the leadership that he's showing, which he's not a natural leader. He's a guy that's had to grow into that role a little bit. I think that's that's been the biggest surprise for the Georgia quarterback.
7: Is Georgia susceptible this weekend at all? Does Tennessee have an opportunity, and if they do, what is it?
16: Yeah, they get an opportunity because one, it's an SEC game. People don't realize SEC road games are hard to win. I don't care who you're playing. You go play an SEC road game; it's difficult to win. People don't, and people across the country, I don't think, give you know, enough credit to these SEC atmospheres, environments. So, New England's going to be rocking. It's going to be crazy um, over there. Even despite a a loss to Missouri last week, they're going to have a, a terrific environment. It's a rivalry game, so that's always a big deal. And two, Tennessee is able to create havoc with their defense up front. Now, they got handled by Missouri's offensive line, and if you don't fix how you fit split zone, I know everybody talks about the outside zone for Missouri, they go back and watch just split zone where the line's moving one way and they bring an H back or a tight end the other. You would think that Tennessee thought it was a brand new run play in, 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 football that they had never defended it before because Cody Schrader ran through them. But I think Tim Banks and, and that company, that defensive staff can get it fixed on how they run fit. And also Georgia has allowed an opening touchdown each of the last four games of the team they played. So Tennessee can start out hot. They can get the crowd rocking. They can play a four quarter game with 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 Georgia. However, if they don't fix some of the crucial mistakes that they that they've made on defensive fits and also eye discipline on the back end, Georgia's offense is going to be hard to stop for them. And then also, I just now with the receiving core being as thin as it is for Tennessee, I'm not so sure. That they'll be able to make the amount of explosive. Their explosive play rate is way down from what it was last year. Most of their explosive come on the ground, which it's hard to run on Georgia, but absolutely with atmosphere, with it being on the road, with the athletes that Tennessee has, they can make it a, a full quarter game and have a shot at the end of this one if they, if they execute the way that, that they've, they've shown at different points in time, like the first half of Alabama this year.
7: Hey, Blaine, if folks want to uh, enjoy your work, read your work, tell us about Southeastern 14 and what you guys are doing. So
16: Southeastern 14 is a uh, YouTube channel, also a podcast, that we're now partnered with Believe Network, where we can um, distribute some of our content as well. But you can listen to daily SEC sports coverage, not just football. I do a SEC morning report that just covers football every morning, Monday through Friday. But Chris Lee, Blake Lovell, uh, Gavin Schoenwald, former Vanderbilt tight end, does some work with us daily show every day on there. And then also Blake Lovell is the best there is at covering SEC basketball, in my opinion. I mean, he, Tennessee basketball, all the, all the different teams in the SEC, he's a walking encyclopedia of basketball knowledge. So if you want daily SEC content, you can search Southeastern 14 on YouTube. You can follow me on X, formerly Twitter using B Gilmer 18, or you can follow our uh, our side over there using 14 Southeastern on X.
7: Blaine Gilmer, you're the man. Explain to me one thing. Why? Yeah. Why doesn't Lane Kiffin even attempt to put players on defense? I mean, what was that last week? It, I didn't hear the last. It, even attempt to what now? Put players on defense. So I think he does, but
16: he he's he's being transparent when he says, "Hey, we're lacking." Some of the Jimmys and Joes, and and here's the thing about the transfer portal. People call you the, the portal king. There's a reason guys are in the portal, right? You know what I'm saying? And and eventually those deficiencies are going to rear their head. He's going to try to do a good job uh, recruiting over there, but I think the thing is, is they've got to get better better scheme wise over there. They they still uh, aren't very sound in how they're trying to stop offenses that have a pulse.
7: Oh my! I mean, last week, my gosh. Good night, no, it was, man.
16: It, guys, guys just running wide open out of the, out of the backfield, things like that. They're so not very sound in how they were coaching stuff, but I think it is a, a lack of talent um, when you look at the elite tiers of the of the SEC versus the mid-tier.
7: Who are you watching for the A&M, M, A&M job on the way out, Blaine Gilmer? Uh, who I would go yeah. get? Who yeah, I think yeah, is the best. yeah. Who I, who would you? Who I
16: think the best football coach is the best fit would be Mike Elko. That's who I would want Ooh, to I be my him. head coach. I love him. That, that's who I would want to be my head coach. But I think after the Jimbo deal, I think they're going to want something a little bit more uh, flashy, a little bit more of a splash. So, uh, I mean, I heard the Dabo conversation. Listen, I think Dabo would be would be great. He does. It is like going from one cult to another. So go ahead and go <laughs> do that over. Over there at Texas in I think I think that would that would be great. But uh yeah, I think Mike Yoko would be the guy I would go for.
7: Blaine Gilmer, you popped me there and made me cough and I appreciate you, brother. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you guys. Blaine Gilmer, Southeastern fourteen on the T L D Logistics Hotline. Online T L D logistics dot com. The silly season's already started. I saw where Our guy, Jamie Chadwell, Sean, apparently got caught yesterday, uh, tweeting, retweeting a tweet, and he forgot to turn off his location, and the spot of his retweet, uh, pumping up something they had going on at Liberty was none other than Starkville, Mississippi. Oops.
10: Yeah, I don't know why you would entertain that job, uh. I mean, coaches have gone there. Mullen did okay, uh, but I mean, Sylvester Kroom, uh the the uh, your fella from Penn State, I think oh he had God, two he was years there. Out of
7: water, that Moorhead guy, he had no business yeah. being there.
10: Well, he, when he first got there, everyone was claiming he was the big deal. But uh, I mean, that is just uh, that is a complete dead end. I, in fact, I can't even think of anybody that was a head coach there. That went on to do something. I mean, Mullen, Mullen, all of a sudden became a buffoon at Florida. They you should know, hire he'll... Mullen back.
7: I think you're right, Brian. No, he's he's, he's I mean, so many bridges. He's such well, a weird he's guy. He's bridges there. He's such a weird guy. Oh, he's such a he's, he's
10: such a uh, just a weird guy. Oh, he's a prickly guy. Yes. Yeah, he he's an arrogant guy that yeah. has done nothing. Yes. I mean, he is all hat, no cattle, as they say in Texas.
7: Although I will say, he, along with uh, the Vols, what, what's the number, Brian, in this uh, playoff era? Guys uh, or teams that have risen and gotten that number one spot in the playoff oh, era? Well,
13: seven, seven programs have ever been ranked number one in the college football playoff poll, and Tennessee, Tennessee and, and Mississippi State years ago.
7: Yeah, and Tennessee and Mississippi State are two of them. So, yeah, he five has of the done teams something. that have done it are in the SEC, by the way. Yeah. Did that, either of
10: those either of those teams make the playoffs?
7: I uh, that would be a negatory. We'll come back on the other side. If you want to get in 865 200 5402 the fun, the frivolity on a Wednesday rolls on after this.
5: This is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern middle Tennessee. WKOM one oh one point seven FM Columbia
6: If you're coping with a chronic condition or injury, your physician may recommend surgery to relieve pain, increase mobility, or improve your overall health. At Murray Regional Health, physicians on our medical staff perform surgical procedures in an array of specialty areas with the most advanced technology available. When you need surgery, count on our experienced surgical team to deliver exceptional care close to home. For more information, go to murrayregional.com surgery. Murray Regional Health, where clinical excellence meets compassionate care.
14: Need a little extra cash for the holidays? From now until Christmas, Hiller Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Electrical is giving you a $500 Visa gift card when you buy select new HVAC systems or receive a $250 gift card with a new tankless water heater. And upgrade now with monthly payments as low as $79. Visit HappyHiller.com. Happy you'll be or the service is free. Call
8: the Happy Face Truck today.
2: This is Clayton Harris, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM, Columbia. Ah, oh, it's incredible
7: to be back with you on a Wednesday. Watson Brown, Cinco, and Brian, I'm in such a good mood. that. Hey, Brian, that Gilmer kid was really good. Is he kidding the cat Harry Gilmer from back in the day, Brian? I don't
13: know, but he is a... Rising, stallion, and
7: star. Oh, there's no question. No question. I have zero feel for this game. I know it's Wednesday. I'm still so stunned at what I witnessed with Missouri that I have, I don't even know what to feel about this thing. It's a great opportunity. Anytime you get the number one team in your building, Watson said something that bears repeating, which is, let it go. Both sides of the line of scrimmage. Let it go. And I don't know what that looks like for the Vols. I mean, if you're going to throw the ball deep, who are you going to throw it to? And defensively, if you're going to turn people loose, I don't even know what let it go means for our, for our club at this point. That was such a... Br- Let's go back to our... TLD Logistics phone lines, hello and welcome in on a Wednesday.
17: Oh, Tony? Yes. It's
7: Peggy. Peggy, have you gotten over the pain yet?
17: Uh, no. Absolutely not. I, 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 Tony, I'm trying I'm going to try to talk. I don't know if I can. I really don't know if I can. I can't explain it. I can't describe it. You know, I've been, let me tell you. It. Yeah. I've been a friend since I was 10 years old. Yeah. And uh, listening on the radio. Started out basketball with my dad. That's right. You know, and I, and I got attached to that hardcore.
7: That's right. Then John Ward I back in the day. John Ward painting that picture, Peggy, on the, yes. on the statewide stadium, yes. as Bob Kessling would say.
17: Exactly. Exactly. It's magical. Then as I got a little older, and that is a little odd because I was a little girl, but uh, I was the oldest. So until my youngest brother came along, I got that spot with my dad and we watched all the sports. Then I got into football and Conridge Holloway, you know, and all that. And then the awful dodge. Named my kid Peyton. I mean, I love this stuff. Yeah. I used to to listen. You mentioned John Ward. I've never got to tell you my John Ward story. Tell me a John Ward
7: story. I I love him. Because the night he passed away, Peggy, I was on vacation up in Ocean City, New Jersey. And I opened my cell phone up and sat on the Ocean City boardwalk. And we took calls from all around the world for close to three hours. And we eulogized him in real time, Peggy. And people... Grown men that? and grown women were crying their eyes out. I'll never forget it as long as I live and
2: draw breath. Oh, something.
17: Something. Well, back in the day, there's a, a restaurant in Gatlinburg called the Open Heart. The building's still there, but it's uh, it's a sports.
7: All right.
13: You talking like,
17: about the Open
7: heart, heart? The Open Heart?
17: Open hearth, Heart. Heart. Heart's like a fireplace. Oh, I thought you said the open
7: heart. Okay, go ahead.
17: Open heart, and uh, I mean, this was a big deal. You know, there's like five major restaurants in Gatlinburg oh, in the yeah. 80s, and it was one of the ones, you know, newly built right before you go into the park. Well, we had a big clientele from Knoxville, UT, and stuff, and the ball games was crazy. That's when I really developed my hate for Alabama. That's right. That place would fill up, and I mean... Now we'd make good money if they won, but if we beat them, oh hell, it was hell in there. But, jaw, I got a ready station one night. It's a station everybody hates because it's three little two talks. So I wasn't in a good mood. I know that, I, you know, but I go down there, and it's my first table. There's this couple and I'm telling them I'm pegging what our specials are. And when that he spoke and ordered, I just, Stopped. I just did I just stopped and I looked, and sure enough it was John Ward and his wife. And I I just put my hand I said, Oh my gosh, I went, I'm sorry you are the voice of the balls, aren't you? And he said in that voice, Why yes, little lady, and he looked at my name tag and he said, Peggy, I sure am. Goal. Oh my God. I Goal. I could have never met Elvis, the president, anybody. And he came back, and they would come up our knees, and his wife would come about once a month maybe, and in the fall they'd come more than that, and ask for me specifically.
7: Peggy, you've been off all, all sides. That's what I love about you is that you're all things to all people. When I met you, I knew that. I knew you were the real yeah. deal, a genuine ar- article. Cause, look, you, you you dined with kings and queens, and you've eaten the pork and beans, as a great Dusty Rhodes once said, and yeah. and, and you know the drill. <laughs> and I love every minute of that.
17: Oh, and I just well, I felt the same way about you, Tommy. I thought, oh my God, if we, but you're the age of my baby sister. My little sister, she's so nice as you. And we lost her about eight years ago. And I'm going to tell you, that girl was the hardcore. Now, the lady balls was her thug. Uh oh. I mean, eat, sleep, and I mean, our family, heard she, look, she named her dog Butch. I mean, that's how crazy. Mm-hmm. She is. <laughs> she mm-hmm. had a dog, and he's still here, he's still in our mm-hmm.
6: yard. Mm-hmm.
17: You know, and I got a youngin' named Peyton. My brother has a boy named Heath. So, you know, but that's, we, after Peyton, we don't have any more namesakes. We're, 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 we're kind of laid low on that. I used, okay, the guy, the man and woman that wrote Rocky Top, Boo and Police Bryant. Yes. Had, had a motel right below the park. This is called the Rocky Top is.
7: They used to come up every morning and have breakfast with me at the Park Vista. Most next
17: level thing that ever happened to me is funny by accident. They, yes, when, was when I
7: was accident. when I was young young in radio. Okay, we did something with the song yeah. Rocky Top and put it behind a commercial, and one of them called me and said, "Hey," or or somebody in their extended deal said, "Hey, you got to cut that yeah. out." While they were still around, they were policing that song. You know those two uh, wrote some great stuff back in the 60s, Everly Brothers Brothers tunes, and they also wrote Love Hurts by Nazareth.
17: Wow.
7: Did you know that? I
17: didn't didn't know that one, and that's one of my favorites. Yeah,
7: they wrote Love Hurts by Nazareth, which... uh, there's a really great uh, bluegrass version of that where they go, Love hurts, really, 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 really hurts. Love hurts, yeah.
17: <laughs> really, 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 hurts. Hey, I've heard some good bluegrass and some versions of rock songs up, up in oh, the yeah. It sounds really good.
7: Hey, C. Dixie, it does do some great. Out of
17: that.
7: Hey, C. Dixie does a great uh, ACDC. It's called Hey, C. Dixie. You'll laugh your head off at that. But, uh, and they're great musicians. But, Peggy, listen, you're the greatest intercontinental champion of all time, and I appreciate uh, you. You're a living odd, legend.
17: I wanted to tell you, I'm, I'm so glad you're well. I was worried about you. And uh, are you are all still doing Titan's Bill's birthday? Titan's Bill's birthday is Friday
7: down at Calhoun's on the river.
17: How are we going to get in the partying mood's what I want to know.
7: The partying mood. Will you bring your party tricks and your party favors, and let's do it?
17: Oh my God! I Somebody's got some to bring some
7: gummy watch. bears for uh, Titans Bill. Uh,
17: well, I tell you, that's what we need desperately.
7: Yeah, slip something in his drink.
17: <laughs> we need some. We need some from New Jersey, though—the real deal.
7: That's right. We need to dose Titans Bill like they used to back in Haighton-Ashbury, but I appreciate you. Thank you, Peggy. Oh,
17: I love you. Bye. Thank
7: you. Cinco, how would you like to see Titans Bill get dosed? I
10: think I'd like to see it from afar.
7: Yeah, not and not, not like dosed Eckies.
10: Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to watch that on a uh, closed-circuit TV or something.
7: Be careful. He
13: won't call you his good Christian friend if you're not you too much
7: well that's a good point um let's go back to our phones peggy just makes me lose my train of thought there and i gave you an um and i'm not an um guy but she makes me say um hello and welcome into our next call by the way regarding calhoun's i do want to say one word and that's where i was going to go my friends at calhoun's are going to be open for thanksgiving the traditional uh thanksgiving uh Dinner there is to die for. They're open at all locations. Reservations are not required, but they are encouraged. So if you want to call the Calhouns near you and make your reservation, again, reservations not required, but they are encouraged. Calhoun's A Taste of Tennessee. We'll be out there on Friday celebrating Titans Bill's birthday. Hello and welcome into our next call.
18: Hey, Tony. Josh, boy. Wings. Tony, uh, during that week when Alabama played South Florida, Milrow failed a drug test. I know that for a fact. That's why you didn't play. Uh Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh.
7: Were you there when they dosed him? No. Okay.
18: But, uh, Tony, when we played Missouri this year in – in basketball, in honor of Conzo, I want to cook up an Onzo omelet. we'll, we'll have
7: an omelet, no doubt. Post game yeah, omelet. We will. Yep, I'm excited for that. What do you think of Colombo's call?
18: Uh, I think Colombo needs to get his facts straight, Mark. Auburn has six wins, not five, big boy. Are we ripping? Let's let's rip him.
7: Why is he yeah. so fascinated with? And he keeps talking about Lane, Lane, Lane. Yeah. But yet he puts down Freeze, who's a much better coach than Lane Keffin. Yeah. Yes or and no? Tony,
18: Sean, Tony who accomplished it,
7: more at Ole Miss, Lane Kevin or Hugh Freeze? Freeze.
10: You know, Lane's doing well down there, though, man. He's, he's got two
18: uh two past two years have been pretty good. Uh, but I'll go with Freeze. Yeah. Yeah. Finally, knocked on uh, Kiff and Sean. He cannot win the big game at Ole Miss.
7: Yep, he don't win any big games.
18: Yeah, he's like big game James up there at Penn State. Yeah, Tony, it wouldn't shock me at all if Hugh Freeze and Auburn beat Alabama at at uh, at Auburn last week this season.
7: Oh, that would shock me because, right now
18: because Hugh in his time uh, go ahead, Brian.
13: What's more likely them beating Alabama or Tennessee beating Georgia over the weekend?
9: Uh, neither.
18: Neither, yeah. Tone does I kinda worry you from uh, what we saw at the end of the game in Florida earlier this year when uh Heifel called the timeout out and uh, after the game that thought. Between Tennessee and Florida, and after the game, or when they tried to kick a field goal against Missouri and miss, and they had a little bit of a scuffle. Do you think uh, that kind of sends red flags to the team? You know,
7: I think that Sean brought a good point up earlier. The and Watson was talking about this: the penalties and the not-in-discipline stuff. It's kind of fun and funny when you're winning because then you can just go, ah, what the heck. Who cares? Man, when you lose, because correct me if I'm wrong, didn't we make a run at somebody at, from Florida at the end of a game and knock a quarterback over, similar to what happened the other day with Missouri? That kind of stuff when you're losing, all of a sudden just isn't so comical. Uh, and I don't... I, that's the one thing I worry about with this coach I just and his don't philosophy.
18: Think it's good for the culture
7: No, no, of and, this team, and they don't seem to care. He doesn't seem to care yeah. about that stuff, which I don't. I don't quite understand that.
18: You yeah, can't care.
7: That... I mean, obviously, you can't I, care because I, lying, that's Brian. something that. Homer, at least
13: he had his faults, but I mean that's something I don't think he'd have put
7: up with. No, those old school guys wouldn't let somebody run at somebody after a whistle when they're kneeling a ball down after a game. I mean and and you would only do that once on their watch. Tony, you wouldn't do
18: that twice. Tony, in the off season, I don't care if he wants or does not want to do it, he needs to go out and hire a bad cop like goish you know. Yeah,
7: the problem with Hypel is as far as we can tell, is he's never terminated a coach. Right. So, and he's a young coach, but obviously it's a small sample size. We'll, we'll see. We'll see if he makes but
18: changes. It, it needs to be done, don't you agree?
7: I think they miss Alex Golish's, yes, uh, attention to detail and heavy-handedness. The
13: longer a coach is at some place, the more likely. He, he was only at Central Florida for, what, three years? Yes. So...
18: Yeah, that factors in. Yeah, Tony, uh, does Tennessee have any chance Saturday to keep it? Sure, competitive they got they have a chance to win the game. I'm
7: with Cinco. I'm with uh, yeah. Lukey Boy. Look, it's college yeah. football. the The thing you've got to do though is three consecutive games. has giving up the first score in the game. Gotta go score first. You gotta give yourself a chance. If you don't, and, if you get two scores behind and you're the Vols, that 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 home crowd will become a disadvantage. Joe Milton will start hearing the murmurs. I mean, we've seen yep. that script before.
18: And, Tony, you know Georgia still has something to play for Saturday because if they lose, they're probably out of the college football playoff break.
7: They have everything to play for Saturday. This narrative that they've wrapped up the East and they're going to come in here complacent, Georgia didn't care about Eastern Division Championships. Never did.
18: No. Tony, uh, They've won like six straight. Yeah, they've won six straight. straight. I mean, they're the freaking Atlanta Braves. They
7: don't care about the division championships. Six to seven.
18: or Whatever the number is. Tony, one thing about basketball. What do you think about uh, this J.P. Estrella kid? Do you think he'll get some uh, decent minutes off the bench?
7: Probably not this year, but he's going to be a very good player in time. They feel very good about him. They feel very good about Phillips.
18: Yep. Thank right you, Brother.
7: Good talking to you. The Vols are back in action, by the way, in hoops with Syracuse on Monday. We'll be on with the Garza law. Tennessee basketball overtime as soon as that one comes to a close. Syracuse, a guard-oriented team, pulled one out of the fire last night. Syracuse almost lost two years in a row to Colgate, but they were able to get that taste out of their mouth and uh, close strong. They, they were down eight. With four minutes left, and and came back and won the game rather handily. So they showed a little, uh, shall we say, spurtability ability in that game. Brian, I don't
13: have you, Jim Beheim. Did you see?